Live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. I've been watching a lot of TikTok, as I pointed out, and you all laugh at me. I've almost been here half my life. Wow, you're old. What are you talking about? You've been here more than half your life. Way more. You're old. True. I found out that it's actually R-E-A-D, not R-E-D. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Monday, national title game. Golden Knights hockey on tonight at 5 o'clock over on Fox Sports 1340 and 98.9 FM. That's our sister station. You heard it today, the D. Inside Bar Canada, hockey bar, but tonight hockey bar and baseball bar and college basketball bar. So a lot going on. So we'll be here after the show hanging out. You can take advantage of the uh, pitcher specials on Coors Light and Heineken. you got the uh, special Collector's Cup, VGK D Collector's Cup. You can grab as well. Adam Hill is here. Angel is here. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. I like the TikTok mention in the open. I saw that one of our uh, P1s, one of our listening all-stars, big Twitter followers, Sean, sent over a waffle iron or video of a waffle iron with some uh, bacon and eggs in it. And I looked at it. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, TikTok, dude. From like a year ago. It's been like the rage as a TikTok hack. You don't make a waffle. You make the stuff into a waffle. It's keto, right? It definitely is. Yeah. I've actually had this. You have? Yeah. You have a mini waffle maker or like a regular size and you just make like a like a big ass waffle of like eggs and whatever? Both, but I go mini one as a like a breakfast you, sandwich. Did you buy a mini one? I have one, yeah. You had a mini really? waffle like $9. maker? $9. It's awesome. You have something I don't have. I need a 37th item in my kitchen. That can make stuff that eventually will just sit in my garage. Well, I get it. I got it. As I said, it's, it's like a, you make the bread for like a breakfast sandwich. Sure. It's great. What do you make the bread out of? You're talking eggs? Like eggs on the outside? Yeah. That's and nice. Bacon and eggs. You should do chicken like the old uh, KFC double down where you just have the sizzling chicken in your hand and then a filling in the middle. It's, it's good. But <laughs> most, <laughs> most challenging fast food item ever aside from the Mickey D's uh, lava-esque apple pie where it's... True. Sports out on you, and you've got whatever whatever the highest degree burn is, you have that. On a side note, there's a new uh, burger place. Actually, I've been some of my friends love it there, so I've been hanging out there a little bit with them to, to watch some games. And they have some of the most exotic, not exotic, but like crazy burgers you've ever seen. Hmm. They've got the the grilled cheese for each bun. So you got two grilled cheese and then a, a that's then hardcore the, the burger in between, and then they've got the uh, the donuts. Is that a newer joint? Is that a town square? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. It's pretty good. Yeah, they've got they the, uh, the the donuts. I never, I never said what it was. Nah. They've got the donuts uh, for the burger too. Yeah, we've got some high end burger. Pl- we've got some high end sure. burger places now. Um, I had, a, I tell you what, I had a, I had a hot chicken sandwich. Everyone, <laughs> well, because not, not uh, you know, temperature wise. No, no. But everyone advertises like everyone's trying to do this Nashville hot chicken, and then there's like the chicken specialty places. There's the place that appropriates uh, the <laughs> culture that that's up on the strip. But um, there, are, like. Every every joint wants to do the national hot chicken, and you get it. You're like, it's not hot. I got one yesterday. It was hot. The SO, the SO ordered, and I'm like, this could be a 20 minute conversation. We got to get we got to get to the, the trending items, but Why? but uh, I know we got to get to the trending items. But um, I will tell you, our meal out breakdown is: I look at items I might want, and then I judge off of what she gets and if she's going to like it. And then if I think she's not going to like it, I get a backup item for her. Smart. 
<laughs> which I I knew happy. that was I, I said to her I'm like I have a feeling this this chicken sandwich should be really hot. And it it she started it and she was like whoa. Woo. Woo. So then you had to take the chicken sandwich and she took your item. No, because you know what I actually I didn't follow through on like a true item that she wanted to okay. eat. So <laughs> so what you're saying the back you usually, usually have you didn't go with. Well, because she started throwing out like this tomato soup looks good. I'm like, okay, now that that's like I will sacrifice and get something that's not the most exciting thing, but I'm not basing my entree potentially on a bowl of tomato soup. That that's completely fair. Which is, you know, on Easter, I mean, sorry, as I look to the skies, I probably should have done it. I've probably uh, I, I I should have taken. I think I've I've talked a lot about my infamous like 14 hour trip to Nashville which I then had to try to find a way to get to Winnipeg from Nashville. But my one meal I did. Did you go to a place? I tried. I went out of the way to get the, the hot chicken in Nashville. What was it? Which one? Uh, I don't know. It was, it was close to the – it was one of the famous places. Because Hattie to, B's is, like the, is the chain yeah. that's here. Right. Um, but it's it impossible to get into. No, the original place, and I'm blanking on it. I'll look it up. Uh, David Chang, who does Ugly Delicious. I think – I can't keep track of all these guys who do these shows. It could have been freaking Feed Phil. But one of them went to like – the original place, and it looked so bad. Like, the color of the sauce that they dip it, the chicken in, you're like, that is pure fire. That looks so freaking hot. It was the closest place that was, like, popular, but it was, it was it's near where Can the Can you even eat is. a hot chicken? No. Uh, no. So what'd you do? Just throw, I had ran- it. Did you throw ranch all over it? I had it. I was like, I tried to you get died? through it. I was like, eh, this is a little <laughs> much. It's a little much. You are pretty whippy. Yeah. When it comes to, oh, spicy food, sure, sure. So breaking news of the day, trending it to Sam Darnold is now a Panther. We'll break down that trade. Jets trade. Darnold, they get a second, a fourth, and a sixth back. But the second and the fourth are next year, which doesn't make the deal that great because what if the Panthers actually have a nice season and they're 9-7 and seven or 10-6? and six? What if Darnold, Darnold leads into the, the playoffs? And that's the other thing. If Darnold, that's We'll get to it, right? I mean, this is a risky <laughs> move because Zach Wilson is far from a guarantee if he's the guy or whoever they're going to take. North Carolina has named a coach. It's Hubert Davis. As we told you last week, they're going to stay in the family. So we got the final four tonight. Check that. The title game tonight. We just finished up the final four. Um, where were you watching the game? Uh, in the VGK press box. God, your life blows, man. Do you ever get to watch a game on a real TV? I, would, I wouldn't anyway. Like, what do you mean? I mean, I'll have a TV on. I, when I'm at the house, like last night I was at my house watching games. Right. So I had a game on TV, but I was really focusing on the game on my phone and then a game on my computer. Uh, you're used to it, I guess. Yeah. I don't care. Well, I don't usually listen to announcers anyway. I, I actually got in something uh, last week where I tweeted something, and people were responding like, no, they clearly said on the broadcast this. And I, I was listen. like, I, I don't listen to the announcers. Right. And the only time I did, I got burned last week. Because I don't know if we saw the end of the Lakers game uh, last week. They misidentified the player that got hurt at the, at the very end of the game. Ah. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. They, you know, For him to go down, they got another injury. And people were like, that's not who it was. And I was like, that's who they said it was. They misidentified him. So I thought why, you don't watch the broadcast. Listen, yeah, why listen to the announcers? You need to be consistent. Yeah, exactly. No announcers are always the announcers. It's almost always. It's almost never. So announcer. you're watching in the VGK press box. Is anyone else there? We're uh, talking about the end of Gonzaga, UCLA. Uh, sure. Houston Baylor turned out to kind of be a dud. By the way, I think we're going to, at 2.30, we're going to talk to uh, Kelvin Sampson from Houston, who uh, you know has always heard. been part of Coaches versus Cancer, so we'll, hopefully we can uh, hunt down the coach and uh, get him on Ari's box. Booked. That spot in about twenty minutes. So who was around you? Anyone? Uh, well, I was around like my coworker. You're very spread out in the press box still, so I, was, I wasn't real close to anybody. But I was around my coworkers. And you're up top. Yeah. Ugh. So, but I also I I and I actually tweeted this out that 
it was between it was during intermission where like the last you know the overtime was during intermission so it was, would have been easy for everybody to watch and i i walked up and down the press box uh to go get water and i thought everybody was gonna have their their phone out or their you know their screen up watching the game nope it was me uh case Kiefer, our good friend from the sun and uh and kevin e. martin wow we're the only ones watching the game just hockey fans or just hockey viewers yeah which interesting kind of crazy uh, but then, yeah, the, uh, the the play happened, and uh, there was you know a couple people that you know you could hear like the oh like the you know the kind of scream when it went down, and uh, you could tell not everybody was watching, and then all of a sudden everybody started seeing it on Twitter. So there was more of a kind of a build, it's crazy, isn't it? To the reaction, and, that, and that's a lot of the country now. People yeah. consume sports differently than they ever did. The entire country is not locked in to a TV. They may be multitasking. Here was the end of the game. You heard it on ESPN Las Vegas. This is courtesy of uh, Westwood One. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks at home. Banks at home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to Sten Gonzaga. One step closer to history. Unbeaten Gonzaga comes up with the hero play of the year from the freshman. Kevin Kugler on the call. P.J. Carlissimo and Jim Jackson adding a little bit of ambiance with some yelling in the background, which we'll get to because <laughs> there are different calls for different people. Uh, the end that I actually I uh, I texted one of my friends because I had said all last week on podcast and on this show I'm like the Final Four is gonna it's not gonna be good. Uh, Houston's not gonna have enough for Baylor and Gonzaga is gonna take out UCLA pretty easily. Well, I was wrong. That turned out to be I'm not gonna say one of the greatest games ever. I'll say um, it's up there with some of the best final three minutes in overtime i mean it was like once the three minute mark hit it was just back and forth back and forth with great shots great defensive plays great passes calls that we can debate but that at the end overtime was amazing and one like the stick to of uh, johnny juzang to get the putback that was great and i didn't think they played horrible defense i mean i, I who know you know with, with these referees after what you'd already seen earlier if you're UCLA and you're trying to step in front of Suggs, you know, 55 feet from the basket, they may, you know, they may pull out. Uh, I did a charge motion. They may pull out a block motion, and all of a sudden, he didn't even get a shot off, and he gets free throws. Yeah. So I thought they defended it well. I mean, he got to like what was that, 38 feet? Yeah. And off the glass. Oh my god. No, yeah. I mean, oh my god. What you want to do is not without getting close to him, make him change directions in the backcourt. Right. That's what you want to do, and he never he never really did. No, he he got he, he caught the ball kind of cycling to the right, kept going right with the ball. If you make him change directions, there's no Man. way he gets that shot off. That's what you want to do, ideally. But again, this is scramble mode after scoring. I, no, I'm not going to knock them for not doing it. I'm just saying that's in a perfect world, that's what you do. You make him change directions. You don't get near him. You don't have any chance of fouling. Great shot. I mean, great play on both sides. There were great defensive plays. We'll get into those. Uh, this was the Gonzaga call. As uh, Adam Morrison is the color voice, remember him, the big star for Gonzaga. Kind of feels like it really wasn't the beginning of this run, but it was really where Gonzaga rose to prominence. Morrison was a guy, now he's doing radio. Choosing the rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 90. Three seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way. Pull up three for the win. Yes! Yes! Sanders of the championship game! He knocked from 40 at the buzzer! Yes! The Bulldogs wow. play for a national championship. A lot of screaming. 
You said it. You said it's not my cup of tea. It is something I complain about all the time. But you know what? The moment was so cool. If if the color guy on the broadcast goes ape, you know what? <laughs> I think it's okay. You can tell that he cares. Oh, he. I mean, it was a genuine <laughs> moment. It was incredible. If you're a Gonzaga fan or a former player, I mean, you're screaming and freaking yelling. I mean. I don't know if I did that. I probably, you know, at home I was just like, oh, you know, and, and, and then afterwards, I don't know, did you see Bill Walton watching it? Oh, yeah. Well, so Bill Walton was watching weird, it. because he was on he, camera. And he was very muted. Yeah, and he knew he was on camera. Yeah. Um, so he didn't, he didn't like, rea- you know, react super depressed. But I thought at the end of it was kind of like, this is the way I felt. At the end, Walton, after taking in the moment and watching the celebration, kind of stood up and just did like a nice little clap. And that was kind of, maybe I'm a cheese ball, but that was kind of my, my reaction too. I was like, man, that was a good game. That sucks for UCLA, and you know Mick Cronin's a pain in the ass, and he, you know, he did UNLV dirty by saying he'd take the job and then going back home and not answering. But uh, yeah, I'm not a UCLA hater, so that kind of sucked for UCLA. But it was, yeah, Jalen Suggs is a great player, made a great play, made a lot of great plays. So it was a very cool ending, very yeah. cool. Yeah, my my thing on on Wall was like, I wish I would have seen what he would have done if he didn't if he didn't know there was a camera right in his face. If he would have like lost it and thrown something, uh, that would have been. And he's fun like to 70 watch. years old. I'm not sure that Bill Walton. I mean, he looked like he was happy with the outcome. It was just weird. Uh, I think he was just appreciative that there was a cool college basketball moment. I, I, yeah, I saw. I actually saw some I mean, people. I can I can tell you later uh, when Kelvin Sampson comes on the Rutgers Houston game at the, the <laughs> second round. Uh, I didn't sit there and go, "That was good right. for college." But that was that was a good comeback, man. And Nothing I, like that. I actually no, saw instead some people... I replaced that with a walk around the block to cool off <laughs> sure. around a local bar because I was going to freaking punch something. So are you going to thank Kelvin for getting some exercise? Yes. Okay, that's good. Uh, I, I saw people say, like, well, clearly Bill Walton is not like the UCLA fan that he claims to be. He doesn't, no. he's not, he doesn't care. He's not passionate. I, I just thought he was playing for the camera, which you know, kind of sucked that he had to watch that on camera too. I also I think he's an ambassador of the game, so he, sure. he thinks he sings through. He's not going to. It's not going to flip. I would, I, you know what I would like to have seen is his reaction on the Juzang charge. Yeah. That's true. What do you think? It's the it right call. And, and, I thought and, it was a block. And well, I thought it was a block, and I didn't think the officials had the stones to call a block, but technically, see, referees now with the charge block, because we hate the charge block because the charge is like 50% of the time when it's really like 10% of the time. The, the defender is almost always moving, almost always moving forward, under him, last couple steps. If you turn sideways, that you, you're not, you didn't maintain position. But officials can always lean on that the offensive player was out of control. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought that was the case. Which is basically most basketball actions, if bodies collide, the, you could argue the, offen- the offensive player was out of control. <laughs> they're they're sure. making a hard step or leap or jump towards the basket. Yeah, I I mean, I thought at least it was it was cl- well. I I certainly wouldn't have wanted to call a block. Again, I'm I'm of what if it's I don't block? think there's a charge or a block. Okay, I, I I mean I I'm saying I want the rule to wake. I don't want charge or a block. No calls. Like if you if you if you choose to defend that way, then you could get run over, and that's fine. And that's your defense. But I don't. I don't want charges or blocks. Oh, I love that. I love that because yeah. that's not defense. No, and it's become defense now. Where yeah. guys, you know, basically don't make a play. Don't make a real defensive play. They're just going to try to flop, and it's nonsense. What you also have to say, like, what do we we say all the time? Consistency. That is called a charge. Ninety nine percent of the it time. Is. Now. It is. So yeah. I, I'm glad that they that they stuck with that. Even if I don't love that, and I don't like that, that's how we call it now, and I don't like that, that's how college officials do it. Like, 
that's called a charge 99% of the time. It has to be a charge in that situation. You can't tell a defender that they've been able to do that all year long and have a charge called, and then all of a sudden the biggest moment of the season is like, no, now it's a block. You can't do that. Yeah, our buddy Ken Thompson on K-Shop said, uh, I get it, the Zags are unbeaten. Everyone wants to see them play Baylor. Just saying, watch the end of regulation. Juzang drives. Timmy's uh, knees are stuck out forward to create contact. Should have been a block. I don't think his knees were stuck out to create contact. I thought the fact that he turned sideways at the last second to avoid some contact, and he did shuffle his feet at the last second as well. So, whatever. I I mean, UCLA had plenty of opportunities to make plays from there. They had an opportunity to make a better defensive play before Suggs nailed it off the glass. So you had chances to make up for it. But that said, Juzang did destroy two players, was charging hard towards the lane because he's a good offensive player. He probably should have pulled up a couple of seconds or a couple of feet sooner. So, take the shot, and he and he knows that too. Like as yeah. a player, you know that you've been called for a charge every time you've done that. So why, now you want a block call? Like it just it does, doesn't make any sense. You're you're right. You got to pull up and take that shot. Um, and again, there needs to be more consi- uh, there there needs to be more consistency. But, but I'll tell you, but what, that is a consistently char- called charge. What I won't accept is uh, I saw Jason McIntyre from Fox said, "Imagine if they call a block. That's two free throws for Juzang and Timmy is gone." Okay, yeah, calls a call. First of all, who the, cares the, if he's the, gone, the game's over. The, yeah, well, the officials cannot have, and they do. You know they do. But they cannot have fouls in their mind. Like, they can't have a foul count. No. You know, none of this Will Chamberlain stuff. Come on. No. Jordan. Or Jordan. Jordan rules. Um, Stop. All right, on the way back, we'll set up the title game. We got, hey, it turned out, right? <laughs> the two teams that the books put up like six weeks ago, uh, was going to be one or the other against the rest of the field where they're going head-to-head. So I don't think there's much of an argument. Maybe Adam will come Adam might fire back when we return that uh, the two best teams are in this does a tournament really mean that the two best teams are meeting well they, they made it through so i i think consistently baylor and gonzaga showed they were the two best teams and now we see them tonight join the conversation on twitter at espn las vegas for the go-ahead goal left wing try save rebound score minnesota does take the lead this one comes at even strength on a rebound opportunity. Joel Eriksson assisted on the goal moments ago. He has scored the go-ahead goal now. 2-1 to one wild with 12.52 to go in the third. Hanging at Bar Canada inside the D. It's Cofield and Company. Hockey on the big screens tonight. Golden Knights, you hear the highlight there with Dan Duva and the Golden Knights Radio Network. Adam Hill is here. All right, Adam, what the hell's going on? Tougher part of the schedule. Flaws emerging. What's going on with the losing streak? Tough to say. Uh, certainly a lack of firepower has kind of uh, shown up. They haven't really been scoring goals. Uh, they had a couple of games where they were shorthanded, and I think uh, that might have had a little bit to do with it, that they, you know, they were playing with 10 guys. Uh, two games ago, uh, game before that, they started with 12, but they were down to 10 by the end. Uh, last game, they had a full complement of players, but uh, I thought maybe showing a little bit of, you know, signs of fatigue maybe from from scrambling to fill the lines of games before. Uh, but I, I don't think anybody around there is making excuses. They know that they need to get it corrected. I know uh, the one of the questions was asked about what's the level of concern with like getting something out of the power play at some point, and Mark Stone said very concerned. Like you've got to get something out of this. You got to score goals, and you know, you know, last game they go to the third period. They they hadn't blown a third period lead in forever. Like going back to the last season, especially at home, 
and they've done it twice now. Uh, that that's a concern. But really, the the problem isn't necessarily that they're giving up goals in the third period. It's that they're not extending the lead earlier. Where if you have a one goal lead and you have chance after chance of extending it to two, that's how you protect a third period lead. It's not just sitting on a one goal lead going into the third. So uh, that seems to be where their emphasis is. Is you know, finding a way to score more goals, finding a way to be more dangerous, especially on the power play, and then not having to uh, to cling to leads at the end and put yourself in precarious positions. Game time, 5 o'clock, right? Yes. 5 o'clock. All in, right. In St. Louis. In St. Louis. We'll get to uh, Petrangelo a little later, some other keys in the game. Uh, the big story around hockey is what? The issue with uh, Vancouver and COVID? Yeah. This is pretty out. crazy, right? So what's happening? Take that, Canada! You're not going to let us, not going to let our people into Canada. We are here, Bar Canada, so nice. But yeah, uh, they're having their issues that are, you know, I think a reminder to a lot of people that this is not over. Uh, to say, hey, listen, there's, there's, you know, this is still going around and it's going around in a lot of places, and there's a breakout within an NHL team uh, that is causing them significant trouble here to be, not be able to play games. More than 20 players and coaches. Have tested positive, says variant symptoms including vomiting, cramping, dehydration. Family members are getting it. This is according to uh, Darren Dreger. Um, says scary situations. The next five, seven days will determine scheduling. And some of the guys, you know, as you've kind of alluded to there, are having a really tough time with it. And, you know, I think it's a reminder that, you know, some, some of the cases are very mild and asymptomatic, and some of them are really bad. And we're, we don't really have much clarity on who is who, uh, but. You know, a reminder that everybody is susceptible to this, and you know, well, there can be there can be issues. Yeah, I mean, I hope everyone gets through it, and there's no major damage to their bodies. It comes at a very interesting time. That's in Canada with the Canucks. Meanwhile, we've got multiple states here uh, who I think are moving toward the direction: if if you're pushing for safety, you're in trouble. Like what Texas and Florida are doing, yeah, starting to move towards like no vaccination passport. I feel like they're pushing uh, businesses in, into an eventual corner where the businesses are going to be like, what do we do here? Yeah. Like, do we just advertise that we're a mask restaurant or a mask-free restaurant? Seriously. And and then, you know, basically because the way it's become, alienate, you know, half the half the people. Uh, just to, to throw this in, I don't know who else watched it, but the, uh, the Q documentary that's on HBO – must watch for everyone because it's not just about that like it 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 shows a lot of how we've been like broken up into society and like you know really polarized okay in a lot of different ways uh but like yeah a lot of it came from that and a lot of it like was was you know amplified to say like hey this is a political issue and take a stand one way or the other and now if you if you do that as a business then now you're choosing sides all of a sudden like no we're just we're just trying to be safe well, I think Las Vegas is going to face that at some point. Um, and you've got governors kind of drawing their line in the sand. And then you've even got a guy who's, you know, a, a leader in the state of Ohio, whether you like it or not. Your local football coach is a leader. <laughs> Ryan Day um, is talking about Justin Fields and then eventually wades into the waters that if uh, you opted out as a football player, you're a pansy. You, yeah. don't really, you don't really love the game. Like, all right. And he was trying to, and you know that so many coaches feel like this. I mean, there's some that have been outspoken and, you know, defended players in a way, but you know that there's a lot of coaches that feel this way. Uh, and Ryan Day was basically trying to defend Justin Fields because there's been some questions about his work ethic because, of course, there always is when you have, 
you know, black quarterbacks. You still have to deal with this. Can't read the field. Can't make the second read. Uh, not a great work ethic, and, and this happens over and over again. Uh, but he's defending him, and he said, hey, not only does he have a great work ethic, he put together this whole campaign to get the Big Ten to play. And while other guys, and guys that are at the top of the draft and potential you know, top ten picks, guy after guy in Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell and other guys are opting out, he's demanding that he plays. That's how much he loves the game. Right. Yeah, he said, uh, where was everybody else? Because Fields was one of the guys putting together that petition around the Big Ten. Where were the guys who were opting out? You know, you don't love the game if you're doing something like that. This kid loves the game. Let's talk about the game of basketball on the way back. We're going to hook up with uh, Kelvin Sampson, the coach of Houston, who's been very involved in the past and still is with Coaches versus Cancer. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Jimmy got to get in the sucks here. He's going to kiss it off the glass. Here we go, Jim. Tony! Hanging at Bar Canada inside the D. It's Cofield and Company. Oh, my Lord. This game's still going on? Yes. Grand Slam, bottom of the ninth. What's Let's this, go. What's this dude's name for the Tigers? Akil Badu. That's a cool name. It is. He just hit a granny. His, family, his family's going nuts, to by now, the way. To now cut the lead down to 15-6. to six. Yeah, quite a rally here. Wow. His, uh, his family's so happy. You hear awesome. uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance on the alternate call. Nance was actually doing two calls. so No, that was Frank Caliendo with his Romo call of the Jalen Suggs final shot. So we got coaching news in. Utah State has a new coach. Ryan Odom is the coach. Uh, we got to get to... Some updates on UNLV basketball. They've now got three transfers coming in, all guys who didn't get a whole lot of minutes this last year and guys who can be around for a while. Who was the latest kid from Oklahoma? Uh, I've not, already forgotten. Not Jalen Hill? No, it's not Jalen Hill. It, that's his name. I think officially on the it's back not. of his jersey it's going to say not Jalen Hill. Yeah. Well, we'll see if they can land him. So they've got three in. They've got seven plus out still waiting on Bryce Hamilton and the testing the NBA waters thing so we'll see how that one turns out it was was, uh, Victor E. Walker we'll see so they got a 6'9 kid from Texas former four star they've got Jordan McCabe kid from West Virginia played for West Virginia and now another power five transfer from Oklahoma yeah and you know McCabe started as a freshman his playing time kind of went down as his career progressed, but he, he was a starter for a year at West Virginia. He's a really talented high school player, and uh, I know UNLV is hoping to kind of, you know, re, re-spark that, you know, success that he had at the high school level in that first year of college. All right, let's get back to uh, what happened with Gonzaga and UCLA. I wanted to play you a, a sort of scout's take. Have you seen this guy, Mike Schmitz? Former third baseman for the Phillies? He's a young dude who's doing draft analysis, NBA draft analysis for ESPN. And he saw a lot of what I saw, and I think a lot of people saw it. I think if you appreciate basketball, there was a sequence where UCLA executed a beautiful pick and roll on the wing. I mean, every element of it was nice. The pass from Tiger Campbell was beautiful. You know, the low feed and pickup by 
Cody Riley, great, goes up to finish, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, Jalen Suggs seemed to come out of from nowhere, seemed to come out from nowhere, and blocks the shot. But then the brilliant part is he recovers, and then after the pass he makes is unreal. But here's Mike Schmitz talking about it, and he's like, this is why Jalen Suggs is going to be a top five pick because this is the kind of stuff. It's, it's not just going out and scoring because everyone in college does that. And there's thousands of guys not in the NBA around the world who could probably walk into the NBA and score 20 points in a given game. Yeah. But you got to do everything else. you got to understand defensive assignments. You also have to have drive to make up for those errors. But uh, here is uh, Schmitz breaking down what Suggs did on a couple of plays. Jalen Suggs going to get clipped on this screen. He's going to run into it. So Drew Timmy is going to late switch this. Now, it's Suggs' job to veer, sink inside of Cody Riley to take this pocket pass away. He's not able to do that, but how do you cover that up? With energy, with effort, athleticism. Look at the recovery, the play at the rim. Call it a block, call it a foul. That is a big-time winning play. Was it a foul? Yes, of course it was. That, that and, and when everybody was freaking out about the block charge at the end of the game, this is the one where I was like, that's a four-point swing if he makes the free throws. Yeah. That's a foul. And, and it sucks to kind of take away because what he did after it, incredible. It I mean, what he, what he did to hustle back and make that play was great. He fouled him. But then to recover the ball, to, to stay in bounds and get your momentum going up court, and then to throw a ridiculous one-handed bounce pass through, like, five defenders, that was unbelievable. But, yeah, it was a foul. And then the early eye contact here to see where is my advantage? Is my big fellow running the floor hard? He is the nonverbal communication here. And there's the quarterback skills right there. The ability to fit that ball through such a tight window, lead Drew Timmy right to the front of the rim. That is elite stuff there from Jalen Suggs. And it's sequences like that on defense, turning into offense that makes him so special. Yep. That's why he's going to be a top five pick in the draft because he's got those intangibles. But, yeah, the defensive play was amazing. Then the fact that he made the block, recovered it, goes to the corner, uh, dribbles like three times. He's still 60 feet, 70 feet. He's basically at the, the three-point, the, uh, you know, opposite side three-point line and feeds a pass. Also give Timmy, a 6'11 dude, credit for freaking running the floor. <laughs> he catches it, doesn't bobble it like a clown, and then finishes without walking. Uh, by the way, I will say, go watch the replay. I thought Suggs may have traveled on the pass which no one noticed. I was watching really close because he, he lifts it up with his right arm to throw the pass, and it was like boom, boom, boom. But I don't know if it was two or three, but they're not going to see that. And it was so – it was spe- the series of plays, take the foul out, spectacular. Yeah, unbelievable. And that, and he broke it down there uh, very, very well. And then my, my absolute favorite part of this weekend, there's not even a close second, is that, like, all of a sudden we discovered that Jalen Suggs is a football player. Yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, Like I said, I was in and out on listening to the sound, but I guess they mentioned it five million times. Cause no, no I'm talking about, about social media afterwards. Oh, okay. Like, everybody's like, have you like he was a great football player, like posting his highlight videos from college football, and you're like... High school football, yeah. Excuse me, yeah. Uh, from high school football, and you're like, yeah, yes, this was the whole debate. Is he going to play football or basketball? This has been the talk of, for like three years when he was in yeah, high school. You understand these? It's mostly casuals. But that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's the fact, and this is media people that are like putting out like, "Wow, look at this! Look at this high school football it's, it's, video!" Right. Yes. I mean, I'm agreeing with you, but yeah. it, it reinforces the fact that people don't watch Gonzaga play. They don't watch West Coast basketball, college basketball. They just don't watch. Yeah. And then they become experts for a week. Well, I think they watch their their teams. 
Like, I don't think Duke Kentucky, and Duke and Kentucky fans and Michigan State and, you know, other Blue Bloods that either didn't make the tournament or had a quick run, like, I don't know that they really watch a whole lot of college basketball outside of their own team. Yeah. I think that's definitely Can- there. Kansas, the same thing. We were, you know, on our our podcast that we do nightly, we have uh, Saran Petro on from Kansas City, and there's all these Kansas fans on the podcast, and a lot of them admit it. They're like, I, we don't care. <laughs> it's just can- it's Kansas or bust. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's definitely accurate. But I, I mean, in, and then, like, the, you know, the national media who – you watch college basketball for the three weeks of the tournament, but then insist that they know everything about it. Like, no, you don't. You just don't. Nobody no. knows everything about everything anyway. No, no. It was a it was a hell of a show. I thought it was really good for college basketball. Uh, the fact that it's good for the NBA too, because now Suggs goes in. We're, we're gonna get. I, I want to get to a lot more on. Think about Suggs two years from now if there's NIL. And what he could do after that shot. Huh. Like, what kind of money he could make just off of that shot. Like, that, like expand the, the, the mind a little bit and think about all the different marketing things that athletes could do. And, like, would that be unfair? Would that ruin the game for people? Seriously. No. Because no. people right now are like, I'm not watching anymore. You know, Dabo Sweeney's like, oh, if they, we, kids get money, I'm going to find something else to do. No, you're not. You're lying. And you're selfish. No, that part's not going to ruin that, it. That's not right. But there are fans out there who are like, well, if... If, uh, you know, if they get paid, it's going to ruin it. All right, on the way back, we're going to try to uh, hook up with Kelvin Sampson. We also have some great Twitter moments from the weekend. Be very careful if you are posting food photos or videos on social media. It is a wild land. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Bar Canada Inside the D. You know, Adam, we love talking to uh, college basketball coaches just after the season, the offseason, especially around coaches versus cancer golf time, which is coming up in May here in Las Vegas. And now we got Lon Kruger coming back to town, so that's very cool. Kevin Kruger is running the UNLV program now. And, you know, I always tell Ari, we have – you know, we have access to a lot of coaches. I'm like, okay, if they are, if they just played, like, let's let them have a little cooling off period. And then, all right, this morning's like, yeah, we have Kelvin Sampson. I'm like, all right, I guess that was quick. No cool off time, but he's right back to work. Uh, coach is with us. Kelvin Sampson's on Cofield and Company here in Vegas. How are you? I'm good, guys. I'm good. Good. How about you guys? We're good. We're good. I, I expected you to tell Ari, our producer, like, bruh, I need a week, okay? You know, we just, we were in the final four. We just lost. I need a little time to cool off, but I guess that's not the way you operate, huh? You know, I, I was up at the, um, you know, this transfer portal, um, and your seniors, you you're, you almost have to go right back into the uh, the deep end. Because number one, we make, you know, you have to meet with your seniors right away to find out what their plans are, yeah. and, and if they and if they are going to move on, you got to help them with agents and making sure that they're going to be taken care of. Because, I mean, they'll always be yours. And then um, with the transfer portal, what spots you have open or available um, that, that possibly can be filled through the portal. You, as a staff, you have to meet for that. You don't get to take a week off and come back. Right. It may be too late. So, so no, there is no such thing as uh, I just happened to be up here. And I remember Ari from uh, last year, a good guy. I said, you know, you guys have a job to do, too. And if I can take five minutes to help you, why not? Thank you so much. We do appreciate it. And I love the way you laid that out because now, 
Uh, well, yeah, we just heard you. Hey, you were talking to a recruit. We were trying to get you on like 10 minutes ago. Hey, he's busy right now with a recruit. And, and I was going to ask you, I'm like, are you recruiting someone? Is it someone in the transfer portal you're trying to get to Houston? Is it a high school player? Like this, this thing has become, you know, three-pronged in yeah. terms of an attack. So I actually, I, how, do you, how do you decide um, like which direction you're going? And are you just kind of juggling all three elements at the same time? Uh, well, you, you're never deciding what direction to go. Uh, guys, you, you know what direction you're going. That's, that's why you know, I think our record in the last four years is 111 and 24, something like that. You know, we, we, we know exactly uh, who's coming back. We know what we have coming in, and uh, we know who's leaving. So um, our starting point guard um, left this year, Dejan Giroux, but if you remember the Cleveland State game, our first game in the NCAA tournament, he got hurt the first minute. So we moved our two-guard over to the point guard, and he played, I think, 36 minutes as our, as our starting point guard that night. And uh, our plan all along was to have him come back as our starting point guard next year. Uh, Tremont Mark, who made the big play at the end when we beat Rutgers in the tournament, uh, made the big shot to beat Memphis at home in the regular season, made the great play to beat Rutgers at the end of the Rutgers game. He'll start for us at the two guys. Fabian White um, was our starting four the previous year towards ACL. He came back at the end. I think he got in five or six games. Uh, he'll start at the four. Uh, we just got a uh, kid from the portal transferred in today. Uh, uh, he'll start. Uh, yeah, we we kind of know what our team's going to be next year. Right. In terms of the portal, you know, we have some uh, backcourt positions that we want to fill, and uh, and that was one of the kids I was talking to all of that. Coach, uh, you know, you guys had a, a great run through the through the tournament, and uh, it ends in disappointing fashion in the Final Four, but uh, how did the kids react? Because it's not like you guys made a Cinderella run. You were one of the best teams all year. You believed you had a chance, and you definitely had a chance to win a national title. Yeah. So how did the kids react? No, you're right. Um, we were disappointed in the way we played. You know, we're uh, Baylor played lights out. No surprise, they're, they're really good. I thought, you know, I, I, I saw just about all the best teams in each conference play during the year, and the two teams that I saw that were the best teams all year was Gonzaga and Baylor. And it's good for college basketball that those are the two teams playing tonight because those were the two teams. Had we beat Baylor, it probably would have been labeled. Uh, an upset, rightfully so. You, know, you can see that. Um, but, you know, the run we had beating uh, Cleveland State and Rutgers and Syracuse, uh, Oregon State, you know, those look at the teams those teams beat. You know, or, Oregon State Oregon State beat, uh, I don't even remember, who, who was, oh, Loyola of Chicago. Yeah. Well, after Loyola of Chicago beat Illinois, uh, after 40 minutes of that game, most people didn't think that was an upset. You watch Loyola Chicago play. They, they beat them. Well, Oregon State beat Loyola Chicago, and we beat Oregon State. So that means we're pretty good. Syracuse beat West Virginia and San Diego State. We beat Syracuse, I think, by 17. So, so yeah, we, we had a good team. We did not have a great team. Baylor and Gonzaga have great teams. So there's, there's a difference there. Why is Baylor so good, and uh, what does Baylor have that's going to present problems tonight for Gonzaga? Um, their their backcourt plays both ends equally good. 
So there's some teams that are really good offensively that struggle at the other end, and then vice versa. Uh, Mitchell, um, I played against, I coached against Gary Payton and Jason Kidd in college, Oregon State and Cal. Um, those two guys dominated both ends. They, they were dominant defensive players. They were dominant offensive players. Uh, the only other guy that I would put with them in, in that class, maybe not at the top, but in that class, is Davion Mitchell from Baylor. He's dominant at both ends. He shoots 45% from the three. He gets to the rim, finishes left and right, and he is by far the best defensive player we've coached against here in seven years. We lost at the buzzer to Michigan two years ago when they went to the Final Four and lost to Villanova. You know, that was a game that uh, you know, we had a great chance to win that game, and the pool kid hit the three at the buzzer. Um, and then Kentucky, uh, two years ago, uh, we're up three with under a minute to go and lose to them. But Kentucky was really good that year. You know, P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, yep. uh, quickly, Ashton Hagen, that was a really good Kentucky team. Uh, and then Michigan was good that year. It got all the way to the finals. But neither one of those teams was as good as this Baylor team. This Baylor team is the best team we've played against in seven years. And the thing that makes them good is you start at the point of attack with Mitchell. Um, he, he is so good at both ends. Butler is a bucket getter. Um, Teague, Teague made ten threes against Texas Tech. But he's also, he's also their best finisher at the basket. But then um, uh, the question for Baylor is going to be the front line. Uh, uh, as good as those three guards are for Baylor, Timmy may be the best player on the floor. He's, he's, he's elite and he's unique. He's, he's not a normal five man. He's just, he could be a three, four, five. He's just a really good player. Kispert, um, Suggs, I mean, they're elite. That's an elite team, but so is uh, – a Baylor. It wouldn't surprise me if Baylor won, and it wouldn't surprise me if Gonzaga won. They both can win this game. If you're coaching Baylor with that talent, how do you stop Timmy? What do you do? You don't. <laughs> That's why they're in the finals. <laughs> Slow him down. Make it tough yeah. for him. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, well, that's like, it's like putting you on a plane and, it, and it's, uh, it's falling. How do you land it? Well, you've never <laughs> landed a plane, so how would you know? I have no idea how to start Timmy. Right. No, I think their record's 30 and 0. Yeah. That means they played 30 teams that hasn't stopped it. Uh, so, Baylor's not going to stop him. Now, he's going to do what he does. He's elite. You don't stop elite players. You don't even talk about stopping them. What you talk about is we've got to have something that, that doesn't let him dominate the game. Now, that may mean front the post or double the post. Um, go doubling at this spot or doubling that spot, but you're not going to stop him. That, that would be. That's not, that's not feasible. That's the voice of Kevin Sampson, coached out at Houston. Uh, Gonzaga had that wild game the other day. We all loved watching it. All those lead changes back and forth, overtime, dramatic conclusion. Uh, how, do they, how do they carry that momentum instead of you know, using, you know, being worn out and being worn down and having it, that drain them? How do they use that to yep. build into this game? Yeah, no, that's a legitimate question there. Um, um, I think that's going to be a concern for Mark. But, you know, I think the easy answer is it's a championship game. you got a chance to win a championship. The biggest difference in Baylor and UCLA is not offense. UCLA's got plenty of offense. Baylor's just so much better defensively. Um, that, that's, that's where the biggest difference is. 
is that we had not seen anybody this year defensively as good as Baylor. Um, and neither has Gonzaga. Now, they played some really good teams. They played Illinois. They played uh, UCLA. They played, uh, you know, I, I don't have their schedule for I me, mean, but you know, Mark always plays really good teams in the non-conference. So they played really good teams this year. But they haven't played one defensively as good as uh, uh, Baylor. And that's where, um, they, and they'll, but they've got the players to navigate it. Suggs is elite. Uh, I'm not sure I know how to pronounce the other kid's name. What is it? A Yee? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 really really uh, good. Uh, Kispert is, is, does a great job of playing off both of those guys and Nimhart. Then um, the diff- if, if it comes down to the, the team with the best player on the floor will win, and that gives Gonzaga an advantage because of Timmy. But if it's the best defensive team, that may help Baylor. That's why it's going to be an intriguing matchup. You know, there's. The answers will come when the game starts, not before. We got the uh, Coaches vs. Cantor Golf Tournament coming up here. It's the 14th annual, May 16th to the 18th, as we try to get back to normal, right, in this this COVID era. And I know you've been part of Coaches versus Cantor. I know you're not uh, involved in uh, this year's golf tournament, but I just wanted you to talk about the cause of Coaches versus Cantor, yeah. the golf tournament, and also Lon Kruger. We're, we're so fired up here. He's such a big part of the community, even yeah. though you know he left for a while to go to Oklahoma. We're, we're thrilled in Vegas that he retired and he's going to – you know, he's going to retire in Vegas. Uh, that, you just hit the nail on the head. Any organization would be thrilled to have Lon associated with it. And I'm, and I'm so happy for coaches versus cancer that one of the point people of all coaches is Lon Kruger. Um, um, he's one of those guys that makes you want to be involved with whatever he's involved with. He's just uh, just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, the shoes that I wore throughout the tournament, uh, Cleveland State, Rutgers, Syracuse, Oregon State, Baylor, was, um, uh, my daughter, who's on our staff here, designed those shoes. And, uh, my mom's name was on the left foot. My dad's name was on the, the right the toe, the right toe, left toe. Uh, and there's some U of H stuff on there. And we auctioned those off. We're going to raise money for coaches versus cancer. I know Lon did the same thing with shoes. And I think there's five coaches, uh, Bob Huggins maybe. Uh, five coaches did it, raised money for, for uh, coaches versus cancer. But that's the impact that COVID has had on every, every philanthropic organization is that it's really curtailed a lot of people's activities. Um, but being able to play the golf tournament in Vegas with Lon, uh, is a huge help. All the money that we raise with different projects like the shoes or whatever is a huge help. But uh, if there's one, if there's one disease that affects all of us, that we all have, we all should be pitching in. And Big Vital, his gala out in uh, Orlando in May, Lions uh, golf tournament. Uh, but those things, those those are things that we we should all want to be involved in. It's, doesn't matter whether you can get five dollars or five thousand dollars. It doesn't matter. You're all supporting the same cause. We do, you don't get stars for how much money you give. You get stars for supporting it. And we appreciate everything that everybody does. Well, we appreciate you giving us a couple minutes and congrats on a, a great historic season. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, enjoy the game tonight.
Oh, we will. Yes, coach. There you go. Calvin Sampson, the coach at Houston. Hell of a run, as Adam mentioned. Not a Cinderella run. They were a two seed. They had a dominant season. Uh, and I have a feeling they're not they're not dropping back anytime soon to where they're going to have a year where they win like 17 games. He's going to keep it rolling. And I love the way he handled the uh, transfer portal stuff because, you know, there's so many people out there who just choose to complain and whine about it in the coaching ranks. And, yeah, it sucks. But he also laid it out there. You should not be caught off guard by the transfer portal. There may be a shocking person here and there in your program that goes in. But for the most part, you should have a pretty decent read on where all your players are on your team, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think. You and where you are on those players, because that's the other thing. Let's not forget, because people have been you know you pound the kids. Uh, Thirteen hundred guys in the transfer portal, kids these days. Uh, my guess is seven hundred of the thirteen hundred were told go to the portal, <laughs> and that's a reality too. I think it's less than that, but but really, yeah. I, I, well, oh, I think I think there's. I think there's two or three guys on on most teams that are that not not go to the portal, but hey, you may want to explore some possibilities here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's I think kids get a sense of where they stand. I don't think I think a lot of kids are told, yeah, for sure, uh, you know, find other opportunities for yourself. That would probably be best. But I think other kids just kind of know where they stand or know where they are. And, and and I think to his point, like if you don't know which guys are unhappy. And which guys may be leaving, it probably is an indication that you don't know your program, you don't know your players, and you're not around them enough, and you don't understand what's going on. Like you know, I, like the Mike Gundy type, where he doesn't literally doesn't know outside of like eight guys on his football team. Their right. Name. Right. I mean, every year that we've you know we've been around this program, we're we're on the outside of it. You're closer to it than I am, obviously. But every year at the end of the year, you know the guys that are most likely to be going to the transfer portal. You know who the guys are that are unhappy? The have, you guys... been, have you been shocked by any of them? No. Yeah. no. How could you be? But, again, this is a different case where there's a new coach and everything else. But, but like, at the end of, like, the last five, six years, every year we could be like, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy are probably transferring. And you're usually right. And that's why, in a lot of ways, this era moving forward is going to be incredible for balance, I think. I think it's a lot harder for the big power fives to keep all their guys and, and develop depth. Yeah. They guys get two years in, they're like, well, it ain't working out here. And then you, know, you want to tell them, hey, this is this is what we're aiming towards, your junior and senior year. You know what? I don't want to wait. You told me I was going to play as a freshman. And a lot of and a lot of coaches do. How many coaches actually go and say, hey, you know what? You're going to sit the bench for the first two years. I'm going to be honest with you. They're never going to be honest with you. Almost never. Sometimes they might be, but you usually don't expect that. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.